Welcome to the ITSB Magazine Podcast Network. You're listening to a new episode of Secure Your Strategy Podcast, where your host, Chloe Mestagi, provides strategies to leaders and managers on how to repair critical issues in security and tech. We're glad you've tuned in. It's time to secure your strategy and your stakeholder approval. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. My name is Chloe Mustagi, and welcome back to another episode of Secure Your Strategy with ITSP Magazine. And with me, I have my dear friend, Phil Wiley. Phil, say hello. Hello, everyone. Hi, Chloe. Great great to see you virtually. Yeah, great to see you too in the Dr. Pepper room. Um, so today we're going to talk about a little bit about the issues that we've been seeing when it comes to employee retention and security and to help leaders understand when you're recruiting, what are some things you wanna put in your job descriptions that actually match and matter? And then also like, why is there a revolving door all the time? And sometimes we have to look at ourselves to understand why that case is. So Phil, start us off. Job descriptions. What is the thing that irritates you the (laughs) most when you see a job description or a job posting? The biggest thing that irritates me the most, and this is because I do a lot of mentoring and I used to teach at a college, I help a lot of people get started in the industry. But one of the things I hate is these job descriptions for entry level. You know, what they're what they're doing is they're showing something that's supposed to be an entry level or a junior position. But when you see all the years of experience, they're talking about more of a mid-level. So to me, as someone looking at that description, Either it's not really truly entry-level position, the description isn't defined properly, or either they're just trying to get someone on a cheap, because if you're trying to get some, you know, mid-level for entry-level pay, I just think it's just kind of, I don't think it's a, a right way to do business. It's not ethical, yeah. in my opinion. You tend to see it a lot, especially like with startups. They're like, oh, you know what? We're just going to hire this person and, you know, we're going to pay them like barely anything. And it's it's one of those things that I definitely have noticed in our industry is like that whole thing, like you must have five to 10 years of experience, but for a role that you actually don't need five to 10 years of experience, it's just so frustrating because you just think of all these incredible people that are being filtered out. And then also the fact that last time I checked, it really doesn't matter how many years you have. It really has to do with, do you have the ability to do this job? That's what you're hiring the person to do. It's not years of experience because I've met people that have like 10 years of experience and they do not match what is needed on that job description or what that role demands. But I've met people that have maybe two years of experience and they're beyond that. Yeah, I've got a great example of that. I know someone uh, that works in digital forensics. They went to work for this company. Uh, At the time, there are only two people in the lab. And part of that was, was the main person, the more senior person in the lab wasn't really accepting work. They would send out emails saying, does do any of the digital forensics labs have capacity to take on more work? And this person that was her senior wasn't, and really made it difficult for her to learn. So she had to really try a lot on to learn on her own, reach out to other labs. And once she got, you know, learning and feeling comfortable when jobs would come along, she likes to work and not just sit there and do nothing. And so she would ask for work and she kept getting work, building up the rapport with their customers. Customers started asking for her directly. 
and actually not wanting to deal with her other coworker. And it got to the point where really she's helped this lab grow up until about five or six different forensics analysts on the team. Prior to that, there was only two, and that was more than enough, but it helped it grow that way. And then just the the way that they've been treated uh, salary-wise, not really raised up fairly like they were supposed to. They had uh, a manager that they hired in that management didn't do a good job of technically interviewing her. And so she managed to get her foot in the door and got the job, but there was a lot of things that she didn't know how to do. So she really wasn't properly vetted. And this person was training this manager to be her manager, training them. Uh, they kept lying about things, being dishonest, and they're going to be at role. So fortunately, this person was documenting that, telling their management, and they finally come to the conclusion, yes, person's a risk because you know, when you do digital forensics collections, a lot of times this could be for lawsuits and stuff. And if you goof up there, you lie there, you know, you could hurt the reputation of the business. So just different things like that. This person was coming in with less experience in the management role, making a lot more money. So that's just one of the areas. I mean, people are looking for, they're looking for unicorns on the cheap. They want someone that's super sharp and good, but they don't want to pay them much. And, you know, you you know, it's kind of hard to, if you get someone like that, you're really taking advantage of someone. Yeah. You tend to see it a lot with like, I would say people that are really driven and getting work done. Like if other team members are a little bit slower then this person picks up all their work and then is doing all their work. But then what ends up happening is that their job gets reduced to just doing all that work. And then you see this situation where, you know, you're doing like three to five people's job. And then there's always someone who is who is your manager because what that manager is basically doing is reducing you. They're making you feel small, but then they know they need you. And then they don't pay you well because they make you feel small. And then you, you lose your confidence. And I think that's like one of the things that I always hear about, you know, imposter syndrome. You know, we talk about it all the time in our industry, but in reality, imposter syndrome happens when we have a really bad work environment or poor leadership, because mm -hmm. you wouldn't be feeling that way if you felt welcomed and that your ideas mattered, that you matter at the company. And I think that's like one of the reasons why we have such a rotating door or revolving door um, is basically because of that. It's this whole thing where you have really bad workplace culture, but you don't want to fix it. So you have people leaving because there's a blame game happening, right? And I yes. think that's the yep. thing that's like a huge issue, not even just in our industry, but outside. Yeah. Before I comment on that, I'd like to kind of take a step back and just kind of comment some more on, on the previous uh, topic. Yeah. One of the things that really need to look at companies need to address is companies get used to paying people in seniority. You know, I've seen the same person. I know the company they're supposed to be at one time, they were asking about promotion and more money because they were a high performer. And their way of being, you know, paid better, you know, getting raises, being award rewarded was time and seat, the time amount of you've been there. And like you said a while ago, someone been there 10 years doesn't mean they're better. People need to be paid on performance. And I think we need to look at, it different than saying seniority because seniority to me is someone that's higher skilled, someone that's, you know, at higher skilled, the job more suited for the job. We really need to address it as tenure because it's amount of time you've been there. doesn't mean, you know, you're good at your job. There's some people that stay with companies 20 years and maybe they don't know what they're doing and, and they just 
you know, either didn't apply themselves or were just slacking. And then the people that are performing, you know, end up getting, you know, taken advantage of. That comfort thing, right? If you've been yeah. here for a long time, you don't have to learn anything new and it's just comforting in a sense. Yeah. And playing into the topic you just mentioned, you know, some people are worried about training people because, and it's, I don't know if it's Steve Jobs that, that or Bill Gates's quote came from, they, someone said, you know, what if I train them and they leave? And they said, what if you do? And they, what if you don't? Yeah. And they, they stay because, you know, you're, you're investing in that person, you're investing in those capabilities. And it's a good way for retention because myself, you know, I've, and, and, you know, when, you know, working in the industry for so long and then having colleagues in the industry, a lot of people leave because they're not getting training. They're not having a career path. There's no straight career path. Some cases, companies, there is other areas they could move into, but sometimes when people get really good at that job, they keep them there, they pigeonhole them. And so it's up to them to leave the company. So you need to educate them. You need a career path. The work needs to be interesting. So you constantly need to be you know, and you don't want them to get bored and get used to being bored and not doing anything. If you keep them curious and learning, they're going to enjoy their job more and they're going to be a better asset for the company. You're going to have a, a happier employee and then reward people too. make sure you're, you're paying them well, because what happens is you got the industry make these big jumps and someone stays, you know, the way our parents are, you know, grew up, you work for a company and you try to retire from there. Now, if you do that, you're going to be way behind salary wise. And you have to move jobs, but if people want to retain people, that they definitely need to to reward them fairly, keep up what the industry is doing, pay them based on performance. If you got someone that's not performing, they're not growing, then you know, either work with them, set a performance plan to help them, and then if they're just one of these people that are not wanting to grow, then of course you reward them accordingly, but don't punish the people that are performing well. So if you if you're you know rewarding them. Uh, providing them training, giving them growth, a career path, then people will stick around because that's, you know, the main reasons people leave. And I would say, you know, the career path and the job being interesting and money is probably the more, more important things. Yeah. I mean, if you take away opportunities where, you know, if you work at this place, there's, you know, you can't have a career growth there. It's like, why should I invest my time or energy here too? Because I think not everyone wants to have like a, you know, a management job. But the fact is, like, if I want to hire a technical role, I want to be able to see that envision myself being in that seat. But the thing is, is a, a lot of times what I've noticed is that companies don't really care about their employees. And so when this happens, then they're just like, well, what do I do? And and then there's that fear, right, about job hopping, because we've always been told you want to stay at this company for a couple of years. You want to stay there for a long time. It doesn't look good if you don't do it. But at the end of the day, I find like millennials and like Gen Zers and also other generations, honestly, it's all generations now at this point, is realizing, wait, hold on. If I stay at this company, I'm making way less than what I can't be making somewhere else. And I'll have more opportunities somewhere else or just going to another job because this company is not giving that to me. And so, yeah, definitely. I mean, like, it seems kind of like a, well, of course you're going to leave the job at that point. And I feel like employers don't care or they don't have the time to take and to be like, okay, how do we keep people here? And you do bring up a really good point about training is that when we have the ability to train 
and, you know, we could keep learning that invests us in the job. And it also shows that they invest in our career. And that's, I think one of the greatest things you can do the additionally, like if you are in security, you need to be on top of all the new things that comes out all the time. So that requires you to constantly keep learning. But then it comes to a point where companies are like, okay, I'm going to get you and I'm going to pay, you know, we'll pay for this online service for you to keep getting your training. But then if you don't set up time for them to even learn, then what was the point of that? It was just kind of like, to prove to, I think the cybersecurity insurance companies that, yeah, we care about our employees or, you know, when they're recruiting, yeah, we give them training at all times, but in reality, you don't have time to do that. You have to do it during your off time. And it's just so refreshing because I feel like a lot of times they think a lot of these issues stem from the fact that a lot of our leaders in this space, they themselves never got the training that they needed to have to be leaders. So what ends up happening is that they start micromanaging or they do the blame game because they don't know how to lead where they become like a Ted Lasso coach. And I always bring up Ted Lasso because <laughs> it's just such a great way of leading people. It's not about making sure that they win. It's about building, you know, this team up and, and supporting them and their needs and make them into what they inspire to be. And I think to get the best out of your budget when it comes to training, and especially when you got people that are just getting started in the industry, is take an active uh, involvement in their training. You know, because some if you give someone that's new, all this stuff may sound fun, but maybe this makes more sense to to do this. But kind of give them some freedom to take a course or some courses they want to, and then find some that you kind of recommend for them. Talk to them. I mean, even if you want to give them the freedom to choose all their training, just kind of talk to them. And also with people that are even experienced, I've seen this at a company, a large financial institution. They really heavily went to the cloud. Everyone, all the pen testers were doing network pen tests. They weren't getting to get, do application pen tests because those were being all outsourced. Then they wanted to bring it all in-house. Only a couple of the pen testers knew how to do web app pen tests. They were moving to cloud. No one was getting cloud training. And then they kind of get berated on a call that, the pen test team is kind of uh, behind their times that they're really, you know, uh, obsolete now. And this is because the way they've been directed, no one told them, you know, we're going to cloud or, or you know, really worked on getting them cloud training or cloud pen, cloud pen testing training. No one worked on that. So that's another reason why you want to train your people. So if you're not providing training and some kind of guidance based on the company's uh, path, the, the way they're moving the infrastructure and the way they do their technology, that's on you because all of a sudden you're going to end up with 10 or 20 pen testers that if they had the training, they'd know this. Now you've got to bring in people that have those that skill set or either now you're trying to train people that they're five years behind the curve. Yeah. I also like the point that you made about giving the option to learn what you want to learn too. So like, yeah, you're going to have a manager this way here. You need to take the following things, but also if you're interested in taking something else that's a little bit different outside your job, I think that's also a really good thing to do is give choice. There's Whenever we give choices, we feel like it's a winning game kind of situation at the yeah. end because you're and not micromanaging also, at that point. Yeah. yeah. And also what you're, what you're doing there too is maybe there's some other role in the company that you can keep them there because one of the things too, when you lose a person, you've got to train them on the environment, all the IT practices and security uh requirements internally, you got to train someone on that new, 
But if someone even leaves this other team, goes to another team, maybe they got training, it's a way for them to progress in their career, then you're kind of helping with that. You're retaining an employee, you know, and it's, and everyone knows that's just basic management that it costs more to bring on a new person than it does to retain someone. Yeah, definitely on that. And then also with all the layoffs that are happening, I think a lot of people are afraid. Like, what's next for me? Am I going to be on the chopping board or... It is a frustrating thing because I know that people are trying to figure out like, how do I even go about, you know, joining a new company? And especially when you're dealing with the feelings after getting laid off, it's, it's difficult. Yeah, I agree. It's just really saddening to see, you know, kind of the way companies operate nowadays. Sometimes they got record profits, but they're laying off. And part of that's to please the investors and the board that they think if they do this, it's going to look good because all these other Fang companies have laid off, so they got to do the same thing. And it's just, it's not good. You really can't expect loyalty from employees if they're, if if loyalty only goes one way. So when you're looking for other roles, like what are some of the signs you're like, okay, this is a good one to go forward with. And then what are some of those like flags that you're just like, you know what, I'm going to pass on this. Yeah. One of the things I look for is, is like some of the work-life balance stuff, because if you're you're in there, you talk about vacation, maybe you're trying to nego- negotiate more vacation. If maybe if they've only got 10 days of vacation, then you may see that the work-life balance is not so well. Some companies have unlimited PTO. Maybe they're more in touch with work-life balance, but PTO is another thing. The unlimited PTO, I thought was awesome. And I always thought this has got to be a trick. And I've even joked <laughs> with some people that I interviewed with, but another thing unlimited PTO, PTO does is unlimited PTO means if you leave the company, you don't get paid for the, the yes. vacation you didn't take. So I think that's the biggest reason reasons company do that. But look for work-life balance. I mean, yeah, you want to go in, work and do a good job, but it's very important. You, of all people, the you know SME on burnout, you have to have your, your time off to recuperate because if you do, even if it's the best thing, I mean, if you love strawberry ice cream and that's all you eat all the time you're finally gonna get tired of strawberry ice cream so you need to get a break you know for your mental health and just you know to maintain your relationships too but you have healthy relationships with your partners your family and so forth you're going to be a happier employee so you need to maintain those things too so that's one of the things i would look at look for make sure it's got a good work-life balance yeah and just kind of see what other people are uh, see if other people are happy with the company if you know someone who works there ask them how it's been to work there look on places like Glassdoor to get an idea because sometimes you know it's it's you know you can find places that aren't standing find a company that fits you like for me for instance I like working remote I don't really want to work in an office so make sure you're finding someone that's flexible with that make sure it's something that you want to do uh, because I, I don't know some people work better from home and it takes some of the stress of the commute so just find something that that you know, fit you and then reach out and find out from others how they like working for the place to do a little investigating. Yeah. I, I, all, all really good points, especially you know, like if you, if you do better working from home to look for something that's remote, also don't get tricked by employers. They're like, oh, well we have right now, you can work from home policy, but that might change soon. Get in writing that you work from home because that's going to save you later on, most likely. Um, but yeah, I mean, it. the other point that you made about like making sure that you take a break between jobs, I think is incredibly valid, especially because, you know, when we work at places that weren't healthy, 
we need to recuperate. We need to, you know, get that balance again in our head and, and feel confident again. Cause when we don't take that break and we go from one place to another, we're, we're depleted. Yes. And that yep. that's, yeah. So it's a good time to, you know, Remember, you have a life outside of work and like go do some new activities, do some drawing, learn how to play an instrument. I don't know. Violin, I heard, is pretty fun to learn these days and incredibly hard <laughs> and tricky at the same time. So, yeah, getting out there and enjoying life, it's good. Yeah. And be a better what, probably, I'd, say, I'd say probably one of my bigger regrets is that I haven't really found other hobbies outside. I mean, I, I powerlifting is kind of, it's really more for fitness, but. I kind of regret now not finding hobbies because hacking was my hobby and there's times you just need to totally disconnect. I feel you on that. I think like before the pandemic, my entire life was just all about cybersecurity, everything, everything. Even my hobbies was like running nonprofits that like help people. And then suddenly you start realizing, wait, do I have a life outside of my career? And that's when you're like, okay. I need to, I need to figure some things out. I'm still trying to figure out my hobbies, Phil. So like, I yeah, feel like you here. on that, like, what can <laughs> I learn? I was like telling someone the other day, like the violin, like I kind of, you know what? I think I'm going to learn how to play the violin. And they're like, okay. And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to do that. I started getting to gardening. So oh, I started good. doing that. I started doing gardening and I started painting. I need to learn to become a better drawer. I want That's to good. improve my handwriting. I don't know yeah. about you, but like my I need handwriting. to do that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm reminded when I sign my books, <laughs> but man, I wish my handwriting was better. Cause this looks like crap. <laughs> See, I could pass it off because like I write in a uh, cursive because if I yeah, did print, same, yeah. it would look like, I don't know. Like it, it looks day and night. Like my friends always are like, let me see. I show them what it looks like printed. And they're like, well, you should have been a doctor. <laughs> I like, thanks. Yeah, my writing was so bad. When I went to school for computer-assisted drafting, we had some actual hand, you know, manual drafting classes to learn the techniques before we started doing it on a computer. And our instructor, there was my, myself and another person in class that he told us to use our lettering templates because our, <laughs> our handwriting was so bad. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I've been trying to do like more like handwritten like notes, you know, or cards to people. I did it. Oh yeah, I just been starting to do that now. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to get those printouts, you know, Phil, and just yeah. fill it in and go back through third grade all over again on that. But yeah. Yeah, same here. I need to do that. And I think there's a lot of there's a lot of positive into doing things maybe you don't do well or you don't enjoy to kind of get in the habit of it, because if you're too easy to give up or not worry about it, you know, that's kind of gets to be a habit across other areas. So yeah, definitely. You need to get that dopamine rush and you don't expect to be perfect right away. You're going to, it's, it's learning. Everyone learns. No one is like really brilliant at one thing just by starting it right at that moment. That doesn't work. Uh, okay. So Phil, what are some things that leaders can do so we've talked about, you know, doing, giving training, but making sure you allow time for training. Um, you know, don't pigeonhole people where like you have high achievers, they do like three jobs at once. You know, you want to make sure that you don't do that because you're going to burn out your employee and they're going to get, they're going to not feel so good. 
um, reduce imposter syndrome on your team by being a Ted Lasso coach. Um, what else have we talked? Oh, and your job description, don't put years. Just don't do it. Yeah. See what ends up happening. You'll get a really interesting or you'll get more people responding, I would think, and that you Thanks. would want on your team. Job descriptions scare so many people off because I'll, and one of the examples I'll share with, with people on, you know, use like, for example, using networking to get jobs opposed to just applying online. And I'll tell people all the time, apply for the job. There's a lot of jobs that I apply for. I know I could do that job, but there's a bunch of things on there that I don't know how to do. And I tell them just apply for it anyway, because some cases it may not even be the manager creating the job description. It could be HR I've seen cases where companies have copied other companies' job description and even forgot to change the name of the company. You know, they just copied and pasted somewhere else and weren't really fitting their needs of the job. So, uh, so anyone looking for jobs, you know, apply for anything for managers, make sure you're, you're writing concise, accurate job descriptions. Because uh, when I was a red team lead at a company, uh, I had someone on my team from Israel and I was looking for a team member from, from India and we kept getting web app pen tester uh, and bug hunter resumes. And it didn't really need to know how to do network pen testing because it's kind of a, if it was someone that did network pen testing, they could easily pivot into doing red teaming. But I kept getting all these resumes. I went back and looked at the job description and it was just totally off. It was really built more for a web application pen tester. So I went and updated the, the job description. It wasn't long until we started getting the right kind of resumes. So as managers, that's one of the things you may look into. Maybe you're new with the company, someone else wrote the job description and keep your job descriptions up to date, you know, make them accurate and just don't scare people off with it. You know, you get in and you see the resumes, then you can see some of the things people can do beyond what you're asking for, but don't scare people off with your, because one of the things they're doing is that there's a lot of qualified people, good people that they're scaring off. They think I'm not qualified because I only have a 10th of that. Yeah. And then also you want to make sure that you're not being ageist too. So yes. one of the things I've noticed is like, if you look young and you apply for like a VP position, you know, they won't take you seriously. I've actually had an experience once where um, I went in for a job interview and on my resume, they got up to go get a cup of coffee or something. And at the very top says, looks too young. And I just remember that, like, what? <laughs> so yeah be be very cautious about how you're recruiting you know and and I know one of the things is like making sure that you have representation too I think that really matters I still see job postings once in a while that still says he in it so like yeah. he must have the following thing it's like ooh, that's not good so nope. <laughs> be careful of these little things. And also if you're using chat GPT to do your, you know, job descriptions and everything, look at it, review it, get people to review it. Don't just copy and paste and then just put it out there. You need to review it. It's not perfect. But yeah. yeah um, the, 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 he stuff like that, that's a, that could be a red flag. So if you're a hiring company, you know, you should be promoting diversity. And, you know, if you're not, you, you need to do that. And otherwise also to look at your job descriptions, because if you are a culture of diversity, you're not doing yourself justice by scaring people off because, you know, some people are going to see that as a red flag. They can say, well, I guess I got to be a man to get promoted and do well in that company. 
Yeah. And then also, if you ever hear someone say not a good culture fit, culture fit is just discrimination. So if anyone ever says that to you, just know you're being discriminated against. And it's actually a really good thing that you don't work there and you didn't get that job offer. So just always remind yourself. And if you hear people in your company talking about, you know, different candidates and like, well, I don't think this is a good culture fit. You immediately pause the room and talk about that because that's actually a very serious conversation to be had. All right, Phil, what else? Anything else that we want leaders to take away from this and also people that are applying for jobs at this time? Yeah, one of the things I'd look at too is whenever you're working with the employees, you know, times have changed and I really love that things have changed because growing up in the time I did, people, you know, uh, toughen up, you know, all this and when you're you're when you're critiquing someone's work, don't be critical. Try to use positive reinforcement. Try to be positive about it, you know, because the whole thing, if you yell at someone, then they're going to go off. You've kind of ruined their workday. They're not going to be productive. They're not going to be happy. So address it in a positive manner. You don't have to, you know, be negative about yeah. things. Be, con you know, constructive criticism and, and don't think it is criticizing. Just try to help them be better, build that rapport. You know, they're going a manager they respect and like, they're going to do a lot more for, they're going to have more loyalty than a manager they don't like. Because one of the things they say is most people leave the company because the manager, not because of the company. And I've seen that a lot of times that one manager could come in and just ruin the whole culture for the company. They could have a culture of diversity and they come in and they're misogynist or whatever, and really critical of people. And you have like a mass exodus. Yes. And, and then sometimes you see them just employees just staying on because they feel so little. Yeah. I've definitely have seen, you know, managers yelling at people. I'm just like, that should not be acceptable. No matter where you are, that it's not yes. acceptable. Yeah. Don't ever yell. Don't cr over criticize. Like that's, that's, crossing over to abusive. So if you're one of those people that you get angry really fast and you're yelling at people, I highly recommend you looking at yourself and working on yourself because you are going to impact so many people around you and it's going to be a real problem for the company and for yourself yeah. and your career in the end. And when you're doing performance reviews or just trying to talk to someone about their career path, trying to help them improve, one of the biggest lessons I learned from my pen testing career that there was always a good practice is to put things that they're doing good. So talk about all the things that they're doing good, then show the things that they can improve upon and that type of thing. Because I've seen some cases where managers, if they're critiquing something, giving feedback, they feel like it's got to be critical that they've got to say something bad. You don't have to say something bad. That's just not good for employee morale. Exactly. I mean, yeah, when you're, when you're giving a critique, always be, you know, also offer, like I've noticed, you know, Phil, I've noticed that, you know, there's this one place that I think that you need to improve on and everything. Um, and then ask that employee. So Phil, how can I help you on this? Can I give you guidance here? We could work together on this. So they know that they're not now on their own trying to figure out how do I improve? but you're helping them. Like that's your job as a manager of people is not to manage people, but to lead people. So I like those points.
All right, Phil. Well, thank you for being on here. I got to have you on again. Um, but it was lovely to have you and everyone. Thank you for tuning in. You know, I will put down, there's going to be links below where you can follow Phil and all the amazing things that he's doing for the community almost on a daily basis. So Phil, it was lovely to have you and everyone. I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Secure Your Strategy Podcast with Chloe Mastagi, part of the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then share this channel and itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.